May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. And all of God's children said, Amen. One of my favorite interests or hobbies, if you will, is learning about the American Civil War and the history and the causes and looking at the battles. Throughout my life, I've been to several of the places where battles were fought, several sites of interest. I can't tell you the number of times that I've been to Gettysburg. Friends of mine and I have a long tradition of heading there around the same time of year, usually the beginning of August. While I have been there, haven't been there in several years, one of the many walks that we took changed the way we walked around many of the sites of the battlefields. If you've been on any of the battlefield walks, you'll know that the, the people that lead you, the ranger walks, are, they're very knowledgeable. They know an awful lot. Some of them last just a little bit, maybe a half hour, 40 minutes. Some last an hour. One year while we were down there, we went to what was then the old visitor center, if you remember that, right across from the, the cemetery. And in there, we found a great deal of information, but we decided we wanted to see what walks were going on that particular day. And we thought, you know what, we've done this one, we've done this one, we've done this one. Let's try, there it is, let's try Pickett's Charge. It was listed to start at 12 noon on the Confederate side of the line. And it was listed as three hours. We thought, you know what, we've been down here every year for the last how many years? We can do this. We've done this walk, we've done that one. Let's do this one. Three hours, that's nothing. We can do it. We started out pretty much like gangbusters, walking along, stopping, walking along, hearing a little bit more, walking a little bit more. It didn't take long with all the starts and all the stops. In an uncovered field, in the beginning of August, in the heat of summer, that we wilted pretty quickly. Folks around us on the walk had these large water jugs with them, or they had the, their water bottles attached on their belts. And every so often, they'd pull the water out, take a sip, and keep going. As we walked through different parts of that field, we heard these jugs, some very large, filled with ice and water. We heard this sloshing noise back and forth as people carried them in their backpacks on their back. That made it even worse. You can probably imagine that, right? It increased our thirst as we heard the slosh of the ice and the water against the sides of the bucket back and forth, walking along. After a long day in the heat that evening, we said, you know what? I know there's several more of these three-hour walks around. We will never, ever do one of those again unless we get what we started calling our own slosh buckets of water. We will bring those with us every time. Many of us enjoy taking walks. You heard Adam Hamilton in the video talk about how we love to take walks. And whether they're walks in a place like Gettysburg, walks around the block, maybe even virtual ones on a treadmill, the Bible is filled with a list of unforgettable walks. Abraham and Isaac walked to Mount Moriah. Moses and the Israelite people walked through the Red Sea to freedom. Joshua walked around the walls of Jericho. Paul had a conversion walk on the road to Damascus. 
the disciples, remember, after the resurrection, walked on the road to Emmaus. And there are sad walks, too. And we remember the walk that Jesus had when he carried the cross on the Via Dolorosa. Today we hear not of Jesus walking on the water. I want to turn it around a little bit. We hear about Peter's walking on the water. That walk is an invitation to you and I. An invitation to step out of our faith and experience the power and the presence of Christ right in front of us. Peter's water walking is a picture of doing things with God's help that we can't do by ourselves. If you want to walk on water like Peter, you need to know a few things before you step out of the boat. First, there's always a call. God is always calling us to get out of our comfort zone. Second, there's always fear. We're always afraid. We're always afraid. Third, there's always reassurance. You heard me just reading that scripture. Jesus saying, take heart. Do not be afraid. And fourth, there's always a decision to be made. A decision to follow after Jesus says come. And lastly, by doing so, by following that command of Jesus, you will have a changed life. Realize before I go any further, you always have the option to say no to a call by Jesus. But know that saying no, even to what I'm suggesting, getting out of the boat, means even though you don't follow Jesus' command to follow him and come, you will be changed, but not in the ways you think. You may become a little harder at heart, a little more resistant to hearing Jesus' call, a little more likely to say no the next time you do hear Jesus has something for you to do. As you think about that, let's jump in and talk about this thing called water walking. Let's talk about how we get into that mindset of getting ready to walk on the water. Remember where we left off last week in Matthew. Jesus had heard about his cousin John's death and he was looking to get away. But in trying to do so, the crowds of people followed him around to the other side of the Sea of Galilee and found where he was. He healed many that were there. They fed the 5,000, actually 5,000 plus, with the bread and the fish that the disciples offered up. And after Jesus tried once again to take time out to renew, he decided to renew and connect with God. But to do that, he had to send the disciples to the other side, back to the other side, in a boat. While they were headed back, a storm kicked up. And this wasn't just some light rainstorm, but a storm in which Matthew says the boat was tormented by the waves. It apparently was so violent that they were doing everything in their power to just keep the boat afloat. By 3 a.m., I am sure that they were no longer worried about getting to the other side. They were simply trying to stay alive. And as they are inevitably bailing water out with their hands or whatever they had in the boat, one of them sees a figure in the distance coming towards them. And as the figure comes closer, it's clear that it is a human form, a human being 
walking out to them on the water. But the disciples were afraid. It's a ghost, it's a ghost. Often in the middle of our own storms, we fail to recognize Jesus right in front of us, walking to us. It takes eyes of faith to truly recognize when Jesus is right in front of you. Some versions of this story had something which I think is important. In Mark, it tells us that Jesus intended to pass them by. The word in Greek that was used to say pass by often refers to a technical term that comes from the Old Testament, which means a moment that was meant to show the power and presence of God, or in this case, of Jesus. They wanted to convey a message to the disciples. Jesus was looking to call to them to do something extraordinary, but we know that when God calls upon people, there is that fear. But for those who say yes, the experience, the power of God, and they are transformed. Matthew also wants us to know that Jesus comes to us in unexpected moments. Here it is in the middle of the night, probably 3 a.m., in the midst of a terrible storm, tossing and overwhelming their boat, and here comes Jesus. Here are the 12 sitting in the boat, and Jesus speaks, don't be afraid, it's me. We don't know how to respond when we hear that, right? We don't know how they responded. Was it confusion? Were they troubled? It was, wait a minute, that was his voice, wasn't it? Was there wonder? Was there disbelief? No, it could not have been him. It's just the wind playing tricks on us. Or was it a little of all of those? We just don't know. But we do know the reaction of one of them. Peter decided at that moment to become a water walker. He recognized who was out on that water. It's the Lord. He realized here's an extraordinary opportunity for a spiritual adventure and for growth. So he blurts out, Lord, if this is you, command me to come to you on the water. Why in the world would Matthew include that detail? He could have just said, come out of the boat, Peter, and Peter would have gone. I think Matthew adds that idea of him recognizing Jesus and then saying, Jesus, command me not to talk about risk-taking, but about being obedient to Jesus. We all have to discern what is an authentic call from God and from what might just be a foolish impulse on our part. It isn't just enough to have courage. It must be accompanied by wisdom and discernment. We want to use all of those things to make sure Jesus thinks it's a good idea. Peter had faith to believe he could do it, but he said to Jesus, command me to come to you. Let me just review this quickly because what I want you to do is I want you to put yourself in Peter's place in the scripture. Here you are in a first century boat and maybe you've seen pictures, maybe you've been to Israel and seen them. 
But that boat is in the midst of a violent storm, and you're experienced at handling a boat. You're a fisherman, after all. So you know how to make sure it doesn't capsize. But it's still a difficult task. These were the conditions under which Peter, and now you, are considering getting out of the boat. The wind is whipping, the rain is coming, the waves are splashing and overcoming the boat. It will be tough enough to be a water walker in the bright sunshine with calm waters, but here in the midst of violent wind and rain and raging waters, it would take all that you have to make a decision to take that first step. But Peter had some insight into what was Jesus was trying to do. The Lord was passing by, inviting him to go on an adventure. What do you choose? Do you choose the boat? Or do you choose the water? The boat's safe. The boat's comfortable. Even as water, the water is rough and the waves are high. If you decide to get out of the boat, there's a good chance that you're going to sink. But if you don't get out of the boat, there is certainty that you will never, ever walk on that water. So what am I trying to say to you? Part of some of the insights I'm getting are from a book that I read many years ago that I continue to come back to. It's the title of a book written by John Ortberg. If you want to walk on water, you have to get out of the boat. Often we enjoy the comfort and security of being in the boat. There's something inside all of us that wants us to stay in our boats. That's what keeps us from the adventure that God is calling to us. So what is your boat? Your boat is whatever represents safety and security to you. Apart from God. So what is your safety? What is your security? What is your boat? Your boat is what you put your trust in when things get bad and stormy. Your boat is that which continually pulls you away from the extreme discipleship and high adventure that comes with walking on the water. Ask yourself this question. What is it that most produces fear in me? especially when I think of leaving it behind and taking a step out in faith. Maybe your boat is success. You don't want to fail. Just like the rich young ruler, Jesus commanded him to come out of the boat, but he couldn't. What is your boat? Fear will tell you what your boat is. Leaving it may be the hardest thing that you've ever done in your life. Look at Peter again. He gets out and he's doing pretty well, right? But what happens? Some suggest he looked down, but read the scripture again. He did not look down. Matthew tells us that Peter saw the wind. He realized where he was. He realized what he was doing. He realized he was without the boat. He was standing, walking on the water, and the wind came up, and he was terrified. His fear told him to get back in the boat, right? 
He took his eyes off of Jesus and focused instead on the storm and the wind and the rain and the waves and the fact that, hey, I don't have a boat. He began an adventure, as many of us do, with hope, and then reality sets in, right? One minute, like Peter, we're water walking. The next, we lose focus. We see our storms. We see the wind. We have setbacks. There's opposition, unexpected circumstances. We see the wind. But consider this. There's no guarantee that life in the boat is going to be any safer We live in a world that is driven by fear. We suffer from risk lock, a condition like gridlock that leaves us unable to do anything or go anywhere except stay in our boat. I want you to remember one principle. Everything in life is risky. From walking out of your house, to getting in your car, to walking on the street, everything has a risk to it. And if you're looking for absolute safety and security from all alarms, you will be disappointed every day and every moment of your life. There is no such thing. You do not risk and follow the commands that Jesus says, come to me if you don't do that. Eventually, we die of boredom and stagnation. Everything has a risk to it, including following Jesus. Because Peter saw the wind, he began to sink, and he called out for Jesus. So many people will ask or even be bold enough to say that Peter failed. Really? Do you think Peter failed that day walking out on the water? I want you to think about failure for a moment. Failure is not an event. It's a judgment about an event. Failure is not something that happens to us, but a label we attach to an event in our lives. It's how we think about the final outcome of something that we did or that we didn't do. Before Jonas Salk developed the polio vaccine, he tried 200 unsuccessful times to develop it. He was asked about failing 200 times. He said, I never failed 200 times in my life. I was taught never to use the word failure, he said. I just discovered 200 ways to not vaccinate for polio. Winston Churchill once shared that he had to repeat a grade in elementary school. He was asked, you mean you failed? You failed a year in grade school? He said, I never failed at anything in my life. I was given a second opportunity to get it right. Was Jonas Salk a failure? How about Winston Churchill? So did Peter fail early that morning? In a way, he did, as his faith wasn't necessarily strong enough. His doubts were stronger. His fear was stronger. He saw the wind. He took his eyes off of Jesus and he began to sink. So in a way, some would say, yes, Peter did fail. John Ortberg in his book that I mentioned shares a different perspective. He says this and I quote, I think there were 11 bigger failures sitting in the boat. They failed quietly. They failed privately. 
Their failure went unnoticed, unobserved, and uncriticized. Only Peter knew the shame of public failure. But only Peter knew two other things as well. Only Peter knew the glory of water walking. He alone knew what it was like to do something he was not capable of doing on his own. Only he knew the euphoric feeling of being empowered by God to walk on the water. Secondly, only Peter knew the glory of being lifted by Jesus in a moment of desperate need. He knew what none of the others knew. And that was even when he was thinking Jesus was wholly able to save him. The others didn't even know that. He had shared a moment, a connection, a shared trust in Jesus that none of the others would ever have. They couldn't. Why, you ask? Because they didn't get out of the boat. The worst failure is to never get out of your boat. There are many good reasons to get out of our boats, but there's only one that matters. You know what? The water is where Jesus is. Jesus is not in the boat. The water may be dark, wet, stormy, raging, but folks, Jesus isn't in the boat. The reason Peter got out of the boat is because he wanted to be where Jesus was. And he said, if it's you, command me. And Peter heard the command and got out of the boat. And while the rest did not, they all finally had a deeper understanding of who was then in the boat after he lifted Peter up and they got in together. They understood that the one in their boat was the one alone who treads the waves of the seas and they worshipped him. Matthew tells us. When's the last time you got out of your boat? God uses real world challenges to help us develop the ability to trust him. Our response in those moments is to say that, Lord, if this is you, command me. Tell me to come to you. Friends, the Lord is always always passing by and looking for people to get out of the boat. Note that if you get out, two things will happen to you if you get out of the boat. First is that you will fail, and you will sometimes fail. But know, too, that Jesus will be there to pick you up. The other thing that you need to remember, if you decide to get out of the boat is that every once in a while, you will walk on water. You will know the power and presence of Jesus Christ's command to come to me. You'll have that euphoria that Peter had that none of the other disciples had. You'll know the feeling of being able to do something that you could not do by yourself. So my challenge for you this week is to ask yourself, what is my boat? What's the fear that keeps me from stepping out of my boat 
onto the water to go where Jesus is. Ask yourself, why am I afraid of walking on the water? If you believe you're being called to come out of the boat, how are you thinking about it? How are you discerning that it is Jesus calling you? What's one risk that you can take to help grow your faith? Even if you get one stepper closer to getting out of the boat. What's a failure that haunts you from your past that you continue to live over and over again that keeps you in your boat? How's your relationship with Jesus these days? Are you in the boat? Do you have one leg in the boat and one leg out of the boat? Are you walking on water and loving it? Are you out of the boat trying to take your first step and looking around and saying, boy, the wind looks pretty bad? If you want to walk on water, you have to get out of the boat. The water is where Jesus is. He's calling each and every one of us. Discern the words you hear from him to come to me. If you're not sure whether it's Jesus calling you to do this something that you can't do on your own, talk to somebody else in faith about it. But folks, the water is where Jesus is, and he calls to us, come to me. If you want to walk on the water, you have to get out of the boat. Amen. As we come together, we're called to pray for one another, to share our joys and our concerns. Let's go to the Lord in prayer today.